What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. All right, we got a big show today, so hang on tight. But first, I got to talk to you about our Patreon page at BobSuskaShow.com because that's what we do here and now at the beginning of the show. You might have noticed that most other podcasts only post one episode a week or even one episode per month. But here we record three free episodes every week in order to keep up with our chaotic politics. Actually, make it six episodes a week if you include the after party on Fridays and the two Shadow Docket bonus shows on our Patreon page. And since we're not part of a cable news network or a fancy schmancy corporation, we rely exclusively on your support to keep producing upwards of six episodes a week. And the best way to support The Bob Seska Show is to sign up for $5 a month at bobseskashow.com. That's our Patreon page. Pennies per episode, only $60 per year, and it helps us keep up with the fire hose of news every day. Again, that's patreon.com slash Show. And now let the cartoons begin. The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska. People ask me where you, uh, you know, where you, where you must have been the class clown. And I say, uh, no, I wasn't. The Bob Seska Show. From our nation's capital, it is Thursday, September 14, 2023. And this is the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hello there, I'm Bob. Hello, Bob. Hi, day 967 of the Biden-Harris administration, 416 days until the 24 presidential election. You can find me on Threads and Instagram, the Bob Seska. That's my handle there at those places. Twitter, Bob Seska underscore go. Spoutable Bob Seska. Our Patreon page is bobseskashow.com. David isn't feeling well today, so let's do this. Jody on the show. Yep. That's what we're waiting for. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk with Bob. Who's our favorite for? <laughs> Nothing really. Bob. Hi, Jody, on the show. Hello, Bob. David is uh, such as a dog today. That's the <laughs> alert that we <laughs> we got before the show. And you know what? We had a whole conversation before we started recording about what that exactly means. Like, it could have been, I'm such a dog today. Like, he's up to no good. <laughs> That's a partial explanation. The other explanation is he's sick as a dog and it auto-corrected from such to sick or from sick, or to, sick such. to such. Yeah, in the text message. So that's entirely possible too. So we're, what we're going to assume is that David is such as a dog today <laughs> because that's what he said. So let's talk about David behind his back. Just spend the rest of the show. Hey, you know, you know what's weird about David? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a real shame, Jody, because we've got this great audio from Senator Kennedy. 
which is oh, like, I love that audio. Yeah. It's like when he sat down to present this in that congressional hearing in the Senate, he was going, you know, this will be a great thing for Bob to talk about with Jody and David. David's really going to love it. I hope he's not such as a dog because <laughs> then he's going to miss out on what I'm about to read. So I guess they were, what were they talking about? Banning books? They were talking about books that... Uh, Children shouldn't be accessing, basically. And, and this, right. this, the book obviously is not for children. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, maybe teenagers, but not little kids by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, so this was a hearing in the United States Senate, and John Kennedy didn't mince words at all. He didn't censor himself, so... I will warn everybody in advance, this is going to be pretty obscene. This is going to be almost as obscene as anything we've said here on the show previously. And it's coming from John Kennedy. So there's your explicit language warning. And I'm sorry. I got a new strap-on harness today. I can't wait to put it on you. It will fit my favorite dildo perfectly. You're going to look so hot. I can't wait to have your cock in my mouth. Oh, my God. I'm going to give you the blowjob of your life. (laughs) Then I want you inside of me. So I had to email Stephanie and Chris to find out about dildo. Mm -hmm. I knew I I had to bleep cock. Yeah. And I knew I had to bleep either blow or job. Uh But I wasn't sure about dildo and strap on. And then today... (laughs) Or yesterday, there was a thing that Dana sent us that had dildos and something else. And I'm like, do, what do I bleep? This, this is my yeah. life now. I just email Chris and Stephanie and ask them, hey, what words do I need to bleep? <laughs> right. Live your life so that you can do a job where you have a debate <laughs> as to whether you can say strap on and dildo right. on your radio show. Mm-hmm. That's, you know what? That's not a bad thing. That's actually kind of, that's a fun thing. Every once in a while, and we are ensconced right now, deep within the bowels of silly season politics. But every once in a while, something like this comes along and puts a smile on my face. It just delights me. It delights me so much. I got a new strap-on harness today. (laughs) It did. It's a brand new strap-on harness. And he's he's concerned as to whether or not the strap-on will accommodate the dildo. I can't (laughs) wait to put it on you. It will fit my favorite dildo perfectly. Thank you so much, Senator Kennedy. I, I, I'm so grateful. David, David, David. David, what you are missing today, my friend. <laughs> this is teed up perfectly for David Ferguson. And he's such as a dog today. All right, so as I said, we're uh, deep in the bowels of silly season politics. This is the Biden is too old edition of silly season. And for some reason, it just became a thing this week. Joe, do you get the sense? Is it me? Am I being paranoid? Is it weird that there were like a dozen of these things just in two days alone? Like Tuesday and Wednesday, there were at least four columns written by white guys, by the way. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then there were additional columns written after that following suit, piggybacking off of those four pieces. I think David Ignatius's article, uh, his column in the Washington Post was the primary one, right? 
But am I crazy for thinking there was some kind of coordination here? Like they all decided, okay, this week is Biden is too old week. That's what we're all going to talk about today. So get ready, get your hot takes together and get them published uh, Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, You know what? It's You know how there are movies that come out like um, Armageddon and then Volcano mm-hmm. and they come out together together. You'd think that they wouldn't, but it's kind of, maybe it's just, you know, everybody's thinking the same stupidity and they just write it at the same time. What were the two volcano movies? There was No, no, no. Yeah, there was Volcano and then, um... Deep uh, Deep Impact. No, it wasn't Deep Impact. No, Deep Impact and Armageddon are the same movie. Yeah, there was a volcano Um, one and then there was a one where there was a volcano in in Los Angeles. Dante's Peak. Thank you very much. There was Dante's Peak and then Volcano, I think, was the LA-based one. (laughs) Right. And that I can see two things. All right, coincidence. But when you right. ha- when you got several of them all in the yeah. same week, and maybe you know what? It's entirely possible that they're all pegging off of that AP Nork 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 poll from last week. Another Probably. reason why, yeah. Another reason why David should have been here this week is because I have this loaded up for every time there's an AP Nork poll out. <laughs> Mark, Mark, Mark. Yeah. yeah. But I think it was the AP Nork poll that uh, triggered all of these articles to be written. And it's very telling that they're all white people. And I'm not necessarily saying that David Ignatius is being racist. What I'm saying is that everyone who's playing along with this Biden is too old business, first of all, there's no evidence that shows that he's too old other than his birthday. Like, there's no performance issues, no job performance issues, right? We've talked about this before. So that's not a thing. But what it seems to me is, though, it seems like everyone who's playing this game, playing along with this meme, is repeating Fox News talking points. And those Fox News talking points, they've been talking about it since 2015 over there. And I think one of the reasons they've been talking about it so much is I think it's a a racist dog whistle. I think it's a racist and misogynistic dog whistle. I think what they're actually saying, Jody, is Joe Biden is too old. And if he dies, you're going to get the scary black woman as president. Yeah, they're trying to terrify these people, these, I guess, the white racist base in, in this country over the fact that if Joe Biden is too old and then subsequently dies in office, then it'll be Kamala Harris. And they're really obvious about it, at least in all of the columns that came out this week. It was uh, David Ignatius. There was a piece in The Intelligencer. There was a piece in The Hill. Uh, Josh Barrow wrote something for his newsletter. Uh, Joe Scarborough said something in reaction to all of this on Morning Joe. I'll talk about that in a second. But at the center of all of it, did you notice? It all goes back to Kamala Harris. It all goes back to the vice president. So, yeah. So the the line is Joe Biden is old and therefore he needs to get Kamala Harris off the ticket now. And you know what he needs to do subsequent to that? Once you get rid of Kamala Harris, replace Kamala Harris with a white person. Those were all the suggestions. And I love Gretchen Whitmer. I love Gavin Newsom. I think either one of them could be president very, very soon. Maybe uh, 2028. But to suggest a couple of white people to replace Kamala Harris, who, and I'm sure you've read all about this, Jody, in uh, polling uh, among young people, Kamala Harris is enormously popular. In addition to that, if Joe Biden were to get rid of Kamala Harris, 
That would depress black voter turnout. I think that's another gigantic side effect of this. And it's almost as though they're goading Joe Biden into making this suicidal decision to get rid of Kamala Harris. On top of goading Joe Biden into possibly dropping out and not running again in the first place, which is also suicidal, I think, but not just for Joe Biden, but for the larger movement of pro-democracy normals in this country. Because if Joe Biden loses, what do we get? We get Donald Trump, right? Exactly. So Donald Trump steps up and that's the end of democracy. He doesn't leave. So I'm not the only one saying this about the racist dog whistles, the misogynistic dog whistle. Uh, I know Christopher Boozy was uh, posting an entire thread today on Spoutable about this very thing, drawing the same conclusions that not only are you repeating Fox News talking points, but you're repeating Fox News racist dog whistle talking points. Double the awfulness all in one chunk. And 69%, according to the Nork, Nork, Nork poll, (laughs) 69% of Democrats are going right along with that. I, I, God, I have no idea how that happens. I mean, all It's because the the question is, do you think Joe Biden's too old? So then you're thinking about it. Yeah. Push poll. That's what that is. Yeah. It's it's just like, if they don't ask that question, nobody's going to say that. Well, and then what it does, as all push polls do, it advertises the myth. Everyone they call, even respondents who uh, may not survive the poll questions, may end up hanging up halfway through or uh, refuse to answer. Those people are hearing the myth repeated to them by a reputable pollster, like the Associated Press, goddammit. So that's how that functions. Here's, here's what Joe Scarborough said on Morning Joe yesterday in reaction to all these columns. They had David Ignatius on the show at the time. And Scarborough says, Mika and I, everybody we talk to, every political discussion, it all talks a lot about Trump. But when it comes to Joe Biden, people say, man, he's too old to run. He's, and I mean, he's not going to. He's not really going to run. And then he continued by saying, when I say every discussion, I mean 99% of the discussion. Every discussion, he said. I asked Reverend Al. (laughs) Now he's going to throw Reverend Al Sharpton under the bus. I asked Reverend Al if he was hearing it all the time on our show this past week. He's hearing it as well. So, And you know what? Here's where I land on this. And I think I've mentioned this on the show before, Jody. I'm not concerned at all about Joe Biden's age. What I'm concerned about is people who are concerned about Joe Biden's age. Yeah. Baselessly, because they've got no real evidence for it. Show me one occasion where Joe Biden has dropped the ball on foreign policy, on legislation, on administrative uh, executive actions. Show me one area. And don't point to gaffes, because every gaffe, every Joe Biden gaffe you point to from the last two years, last two and a half years, I can show you a hundred other gaffes from the last 30, 40 years. That's what Joe Biden does. That's baked into the formula when we all said as uh, Democrats and whoever was voting for uh, in Democratic primaries in uh, 2020, we all went in knowing that Joe Biden was a gaffe machine. That's just what he does. He's always done that. You can go back to the 70s and chart uh, Joe Biden's gaffes. I remember talking about Joe Biden's gaffes in the newsroom of our high school newspaper in 1988. That was a thing, right? Mm -hmm. 
So uh, I think that's being, you, you combine the gaffes, you combine the stuttering, you combine the fact that I think he's been coached to speak in a more whispery tone. And plus, I think Paul Waldman had a pretty good point in his piece uh, for MSNBC the other day, also reacting to all the very serious columnists saying that Joe Biden is too old. And by the way, the Paul Waldman piece is overall favorable in support of Joe Biden and uh, you know, making a contrary argument against the idea that he's too old. Paul Waldman said, and this is true, that Joe Biden occasionally sounds old, like his voice Sounds like that of an older man. It sounds dry and a little whispery. But that doesn't mean that he's cognitively old. These are two separate and distinct things. Is he cognitively there? Of course he is. Of course he is. Does he make gaffes? Yes, he does. So the other uh, component to all of this, and this should make us all suspicious. Jody, I'm sure you remember 2015, 2016. Oh, yeah. When there was a constant (laughs) garment rending about Hillary Clinton's age and health. Is Hillary Clinton too old to run for president? Is she sick? Is she hiding a terminal illness? That went on for months and months and months and months, didn't it? And then it all culminated on 9-11, on September 11th, 2016, when Hillary Clinton, suffering from pneumonia which is a legitimate illness that happens to people who were 30 years younger than Hillary was at the time. Uh, She gets out of a car to go into a 9-11 commemoration ceremony, and she stumbles a little bit because she's dizzy from having pneumonia. There's a piece by Chris Saliza where he goes on and on and on, concern trolling about Hillary Clinton. What's wrong with Hillary Clinton? Does she have the health and stamina uh, to be able to be president? Is she going to die? Is she hiding a secret illness? I know the conspiracy theory people were all over that, like Alex Jones and the others. Of course, because she's Hillary Clinton, she's got to be hiding something, right? Absolutely, because she's Hillary Clinton. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And this is all to disguise or to distract from the fact that Donald Trump is old as well. Donald Trump is in far worse physical shape. I mean, just look at the metrics. (laughs) You see Joe Biden riding a bike and... Uh, just looking fit overall uh, comp- uh, for an 80-year-old especially. And uh, compare that to Donald Trump, who just looks like a, an amorphous bag of trans fats. Right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. There's just this depressing truth. I talked about this with Cliff yesterday on the interview show. There's also a depressing truth about all of this. And this is the cynical side of the Republican Party. This is the cynical side of some of the commentariat in this country. Uh, regarding how you talk to American voters. And the cynical aspect of this is that I think they all realize that many American voters, I'm not going to say all American voters, but many American voters are easily distracted into prioritizing silly season politics over substance. Let's talk about Biden's age, because we sure as hell don't want to talk about uh, confusing things like the unemployment rate or inflation or any other actual metric that shows a huge, historically important two and a half years of the American presidency, as far as success stories, as far as accomplishments go. But Biden is too old, so none of that matters, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the guy's opponent, Donald Trump, incited an insurrection at the Capitol, engaged in a racketeering conspiracy to overthrow the 2020 election, 
Due to his incompetence, 400,000 Americans died from COVID during his final year in office. He's been indicted on 91 felony counts for starters. And if he wins in 2024, he very likely won't leave office. And there are a whole bunch of people going, well, maybe that guy again, because Joe Biden's old. That's like some sort of next level insanity on top of just being like Mr. Short-Term Memory, right, from Saturday Night Live. Mm -hmm. None of these people remember what happened for those four years, especially in the final year, where everyone experienced loss. Whether it was loss of work, loss of income, or loss of actual friends and family members. Mm -hmm. And it was largely due to Donald Trump, who, by the way, has now been termed as a comorbidity in the COVID crisis because of his rank incompetence. But we we forget this, just like Mr. Short-Term Memory. Mr. Short-Term Memory, he shouldn't have stood under that pear tree. Now there's just no remedy. He'll frustrate you so, but he'll never know. Because he's Mr. Short-Term Memory. There's something uh, rotten in... uh, the minds of too many American people. When you can't remember something like the Trump years and you go, well, this guy is 80 years old, so let's just go with the tyrant. <laughs> this is, there's something really seriously fucked up. Okay, well, meantime, speaking of that tyrant, Donald Trump confessed again. Did you notice the confession on, uh, was it Troth Central, Jody? Troth, Truth Central. He, uh, I didn't look at it today. Was it yesterday or the day before? <laughs> yeah, it was uh, two days ago. It was uh, yeah. Tuesday. It was after we recorded the Tuesday show. Of course. Uh, this got posted on Troth Central. Uh, Donald Trump said, in the New York State case against me by Trump-hating Attorney General Letitia James, who campaigned on, quote, I will get Trump, a case that never should have been brought, I have easily shown and proven that I am worth billions of dollars more than information listed on my financial statements, all of which have a very strong disclaimer clause and protective language and show very little debt, most of which has been paid off or is current with hundreds of millions of dollars of cash on hand. Uh Did you catch the fucked up statement in there? Oh, yeah. I have easily shown and proven that I am worth billions of dollars more than information listed on my financial statements. That's a crime, then. Um. Yes, he's admitting to significantly undervaluing his assets on official business documents, and this is exactly why he's been indicted in New York City by Alvin Bragg. For falsifying, committing financial fraud with his business documents, such as financial statements. And here he is saying that he's worth billions more than the information listed on his financial statements. So therefore, his financial statements undervalue his net worth. And you know who might be interested in information like that? Uh, A little agency called the Internal Revenue Service. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, the state of New York, for example, because they collect taxes too. And if Donald Trump is reporting on his financial statements assets worth less than he's actually worth, then he's not only committing financial fraud with his businesses, but he's also lying to the Internal Revenue Service and lying to the New York State Treasurer. 
about all of this. Well, whoever collects the taxes in, in New York State. I'm not sure exactly what they're called. But you know what I mean. <laughs> he's yeah. lying about his taxes. Uh, he's lying about w- what's taxable as far as his assets go. Mm-hmm. Of course, he could be just lying here, and it, it, it may not be the case. But what he's doing is he's adding fuel to the fire. He's adding more uh, to the case that Alvin Bragg is trying to make in New York uh, City and even helping out Letitia James in, in her case as well by saying this. And I wonder why he's got to say this. I guess he's, he's so utterly compelled to exaggerate the size of his little teeny tiny mushroom penis. <laughs> he just can't help himself. Yeah, because he needs to be, you know, worth more than he actually is. And so therefore, he always makes things worse for himself. I don't know. It's some sort of uh, uh, legal suicide. I don't know how else you would term it. But uh, regardless, so that's that. Um, I, I hope someone's paying attention in Alvin Bragg's office. I hope someone's paying attention at the Internal Revenue Service. Uh, and I'm sure Letitia James has got this tweet already saved in part of the docket. <laughs> part of the evidence that's going to be presented in this case once it gets started. Say, oh yeah, by the way, yeah, Donald Trump admitted that he uh, is worth more than he actually reported on his financial documents. Therefore, uh, he committed fraud. Whoops. Oh, sorry. Okay, so uh, another gigantic Biden accomplishment. This goes back to what we were just talking about with regard to things that people should be talking about, but which they're not talking about in lieu of just wringing their hands about Joe Biden's age. The poverty rate. I think we've talked about this, the child poverty rate in particular, Jody, and the American Rescue Plan, which expanded the, uh, the child tax credit. And the forecast was that expansion was going to cut child poverty in half. So when uh, Joe Biden took office, the poverty rate, the child poverty rate in 2020 was 16.1%. Can you take a guess, Jody, what the child poverty rate was in 2021 after the American Rescue Plan was authorized and the child tax credit was expanded? To take a guess, um, the forecast was half. Forecast. I'm going to go with five percent. Oh my god! Very nicely done. Yes, you're <laughs> almost exactly right. <laughs> the child poverty rate in 2021 was 5.2 percent. It dropped from 16.1 percent in 2020 to 5.2 percent in 2021. That is a colossal success. That exceeded the forecast. Half would have been around 8%, right? I think I'm doing the math correctly on that. Turned out it's 5.2%. That's a big fucking deal. And you know what else is a big deal about this? And this is on the negative side of things. Remember when they were negotiating, Joe Biden was negotiating the American Rescue Plan. Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema were being a-holes about the whole thing. Right. Dragging their heels, trying to get their own things wedged into it. And one of the things they got wedged into it with uh, the help of the Republicans, of course, is a sunset clause on the expanded child tax credit. So after a year, the thing got sunsetted. And as a result of that sunsetting, you know what the child poverty rate was in 2022, thanks to Joe Manchin and the Republicans? Back up to 16 or more percent. Mm -hmm. Kind of, (laughs) not not quite that high. 
the child poverty rate, yeah, the child poverty rate for 2022 was 12.4%. Still, though, that's more than double what it was. Uh, Assholes. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, of course, what's going to happen is if this ever comes up, Republicans and people like Joe Manchin will go, oh, my God, Joe Biden presided over an increase in the child poverty rate by whatever that is, uh, 7%, 7 plus percent. It's not his fault. He didn't do it. He's he's the architect of the American Rescue Plan, which reduced child poverty. Right. The fact that it went back up was entirely the fault of these guys, these Republicans who somehow can't stand a tax cut that helps working middle-class Americans. Bob. And children. Bob. Yeah. They're just, you know how pro-life they are for the top 1%. Yep. That is absolutely true. We want them to be doing better. Tax cuts for kids. Oh, we hate that. Ew. Mm-hmm. Gross. No, no. Unless the kids are super duper wealthy and they stand right. to inherit their uh, family fortune. Right. Uh, we've got to cut those taxes, cut those uh, estate taxes, right? <laughs> when it comes to child poverty, they just don't care. And so you'd think maybe we could use this. You think maybe we could politicize this a little bit maybe have this work to our advantage. Talk about how Joe Biden cut the child poverty rate from 16% to 5%, and because of Republican fuckery, it's now back up to 12.4%. You think maybe we should be talking about that instead of, oh, God, Joe Biden's old. He's not going to make it. And then we're going to get the scary black woman as president. And that's what's, it just, I mean, it's, it's yes, it was all white men that wrote those awful articles. Yeah. It, it's not just the racism. It's the misogyny. Mm. That's exactly it. And I've been talking about this for the last two days. And I'll just repeat myself. Those of you who have heard me on the the John Fugelsang show and then also with Cliff yesterday on the interview show have heard this already. But I'm going to break my pact to not talk about uh, uh, movies (laughs) that are being produced (laughs) by Struck Studios only to make a point in this case. The movie Barbie was one of the best movies that I've seen in many, many years. It could have just been one of those fish-out-of-water comedies where nothing of substance really happens. The director, Greta Gerwig, um, created a movie that is just very deftly illustrating the daily conundrum that women have to go through in a misogynistic world. And this is really illustrated well uh, when we talk about Kamala Harris. And her allegedly low poll numbers. The expectation is, yes, we want them to be, we want Kamala Harris to be a strong leader. And I don't see that she's been a strong leader, so. She's the VP. She's in support. Of course, of course. But the contradiction is, we want a strong leader. And then as soon as Kamala Harris is a strong leader, as soon as they see her being a strong leader, they think, oh, well, she's a bitch and she's shrill and she's just a nasty woman. And that's the kind of thing that Hillary Clinton had to punch her way out of every fucking day of her career, going back to the goddamn late 1980s. Yep. And it hit a high watermark in the 90s, hit another high watermark in the uh, teens around the 2016 election. That's just the thing. Be a strong leader, women. And then as soon as they're a strong leader, why is she so shrill and angry? Why isn't she back in the kitchen making me a sandwich? Exactly fucking right. And so that's what Kamala Harris faces. She's damned if she does, and she's damned if she doesn't. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
There's no valid way to criticize the vice president because we so seldom see the vice president doing things. Right. But people have this image in their heads of Kamala Harris as being this shrill asshole, this bitch from California who's mean and who's going to laugh at your little penis. Well, she might, but... <laughs> but that's just the, that's the stereotype. That's the myth. And then it gets reinforced by people like David Ignatius and Josh Barrow, who are ju- doing this concern trolling dance right now. Well, what I, what I find interesting with, with Kamala Harris, and I ask the same questions with Hillary Clinton, mm-hmm. what don't you like about her? Yeah. And like, what policies don't you like with Hillary Clinton as when she was a senator? What didn't you mm-hmm. like about Kamala Harris as a senator? Those are valid arguments to be made if you don't like how somebody votes. Yeah. But <laughs> when people just go, well, I just don't like her, then you're not making any sense. Well, that's a, people love to pretend to know things that they actually don't know. And they tell pollsters those things all the time, <laughs> you know? Right. They, sometimes people answer poll questions on the phone uh, with answers that they think they should say rather than their actual opinion. Or they respond out of ignorance to save face. That happens so much on social media. Pretending to know more than you do or just going along with something because everyone else is going along with it. It just makes me crazy. Uh, And it, of course, flies in the face of reality. And then also, you know, one of the most serious side effects of all of this is not only is this a a threat to democracy, but it's also a threat to human existence. Because if enough of this metastasizes in the American political discourse, then it's going to be a conga line of Republican presidents and Republican state legislatures, or they're already, that already exists, but uh, Republican majorities in Congress. And all the progress that has been made on the climate crisis is going to get eliminated and rolled oh, back, yeah. and everything's going to get worse. Because they don't believe it's even happening. They still think it's right. a, a myth, a hoax. And it's Tell not, that to Libya. Oh, my God. Some of the satellite imagery. Oh, it's awful. It's awful. It's just so horrendous. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it's going to be more of that. That's just, that's a sampling. That's a preview. That's an appetizer for what's going to be happening in many uh, uh, cities and areas that are at sea level or even, or especially below sea level. Yeah. Like New Orleans. Yeah. See also South Asia. Many of the parts Mm -hmm. of South Asia are going to be completely screwed as uh, sea levels rise and storms like this uh, exacerbate all of that. The Maldives, they're going to be underwater. Yep. I mean, it's just, it, we're begging for a disaster here by engaging in this silly season nonsense. I just, I wish, I, I, you know, and again, I, I feel like old man yelling at clouds, but I, I wish people would just have a sense of priority. Put down your video cameras, put down your video phones, Put down, put down your video phones. Your put, video phone. What year is this? Yes. Put down your Donald Trump ACN video phone. Uh, <laughs> but put down your smartphone is what I meant to say. And pay attention to what's actually going on and stop screaming into your phones on TikTok, for God's sake. Just, and just read something instead. It's one of the reasons I stopped doing videos. I just I stopped doing videos on social media because I, I just don't want to be part of that ongoing rage chorus <laughs> that we see all the time. And I'll probably end up going back and doing more videos. I just, in good conscience, I couldn't keep doing it because everyone's got their video, th- their, <laughs> I almost said it again, their video phone Get turned video on. Video phones. 
What's wrong with me? What are we in the Jetsons? What is this? Maybe I'm too old to continue doing this show. (laughs) All right, on that note, let's take a uh, short break and uh, come back with more podcasting right after these words. You can't always get a clean you can feel good about inside and out unless you're using Bubble Genius Bath and Body Products. See, Bubble Genius is a woman-owned small business proudly creating our vegan-friendly products in America and supporting other U.S. businesses by buying our ingredients and supplies from them as often as possible. Plus, you'll be hard-pressed to find packaging as recyclable as ours. Visit BubbleGenius.com and check out our cause-related items, too, like our global warming soap and a lot more. We donate our proceeds for those items to worthy causes, like organizations combating climate change and mountaintop removal mining. Good stuff like that. We also send our products to the troops overseas through our Buy a Soldier a Shower campaign. Because the least we can do is keep them smiling and smelling great, right? So visit BubbleGenius.com and feel good and clean. Bubble Genius, doing our part to make the world a better place, one bathtub at a time. That's BubbleGenius.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Bob Seska. at all. You know that I can't wait to see you again. And it breaks my heart every time that I call Texas. Oh, yes. One of my favorites right here is the great Marina Rocks. And uh, one of her brand new singles from her latest EP is a song called Dumbin' Down. Perfect for the show today, right? Link in the description to support Marina Rocks and all the independent, independent music here on the show. Just go to bobseska.com, find this episode dated 9-14-23, click that link, scroll down, and you can find the link for Marina Rocks to get this song into your record collection, and a whole lot more, so go do that right now. So the uh, Senate and House Republicans don't appear to be on board with the Rodeo Clown Caucus's impeachment nonsense on the House right. side. 
That's dumb. This is so entertaining, isn't it? This is yes. one of my favorite stories because it's just, they're all running into a brick wall. <laughs> they're just walking into their own crazy propellers, aren't they? Just a compilation of some of the Republicans who have pissed all over this idea of an impeachment inquiry against Joe Biden in the House. Uh, quote, it really comes to how you prioritize your time. I don't know of anybody who believes Chuck Schumer will take it up and actually have a trial and convict a sitting president, said Senator John Cornyn. Yep. Big John Cornyn, member of the Senate GOP leadership team. Quote, rather than doing something they know is unlikely to end the way they would like, Maybe they want to emphasize other things. Do they, not, <laughs> yeah. they do realize that if they've successfully impeached and convicted Joe Biden in the Senate, that Kamala Harris would be president, right? Yes. Scary black woman. <laughs> that's why the Republicans in the Senate are like, oh, don't you dare send this to us. Yeah. That's why the many contours of this story are just putting a giant smile on my face, Jody, because it's not only the Rodeo Clown Caucus playing Kevin McCarthy like a fiddle. Okay, yeah, Kevin, you can drive the car, but Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene have their hands on the wheel, and they're steering him into pedestrians and up onto the shoulder and then off a bridge. <laughs> you know, this is... They're turning his speakership into a disaster, and he barely knows it. I mean, do you think that he understands that they're sabotaging him so they can replace him? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you don't rise to Speaker of the House as an unmitigated moron. I mean, actually, I mean, 15 votes. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But I mean, it takes a little bit of political savvy to at least to get to that point. But he's completely oblivious to what they're doing to him. They're basically setting him up so they have a pretext to win over moderate Republicans in order to uh, vacate the uh, speakership and replace him. So I, I think what they're trying to do is just to gather enough votes so they can get rid of Kevin McCarthy. At the very least, I think McCarthy's only going to serve one term as speaker. <laughs> well, yeah, be because he's term. going to lose the House leadership regardless because we're going to take it back. But, yeah, um, right. Uh, I mean, it's funny because he's making Paul Ryan look like an effective speaker. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, Paul Ryan faced these same groups of crazies. Yeah, I mean, who would have ever guessed? You know, we're following the election of, uh, what was it, 2012, and Paul Ryan's the vice presidential nominee, and we're watching this guy. I think very few of us had a sense of just how brutally insane the Republican Party was going to be within five years of that. Yeah. Like, uh, Paul Ryan was going to be out, never heard from again. Mm -hmm. Just the madness that has collapsed in this country on our heads. Oh, meantime, uh, reactions from the Senate about this impeachment inquiry nonsense. Asked if there's enough evidence to impeach Biden, Senator Shelley Moore Capito, Republican West Virginia, another member of the Senate GOP leadership team, replied, I do not. <laughs> I do, in other words, I do not think there's enough evidence to impeach Biden. Senator Marco Rubio, little Marco, for his part, said attempting to impeach a sitting president should generally be avoided for the interest of the country. Meantime, Representative Ken Buck, I mean, this is an actual member of the House of Representatives, told uh, MSNBC's Inside with Jen Psaki. He said, uh, the time for impeachment is the time when there's enough evidence linking President Biden, if there's evidence linking President Biden, to a high crime or misdemeanor. That doesn't exist right now. He said, thank you, Congressman Buck. 
uh, moderate House Republicans, such as uh, Rep. Don Bacon, Republican Nebraska, say House GOP investigators haven't found any smoking gun that would warrant voting on formal impeachment proceedings. Quote, there hasn't been any allegation yet, any conduct which reaches the constitutional standard for impeachment, Mitt Romney said. Mm-hmm. So yeah. keep effing that chicken, Kevin McCarthy. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck to you, sir. Keep whizzing on that electric fence. Yes, and of course, you know that the thing that you do not do is you do not ever whiz on the electric fence. Don't whiz right. on the electric fence. <laughs> whizzing all over it, just on the seat. He's over there on the post. It's, it's going all over the place. So much whizzing on the electric fence coming from the uh, House Republicans right now. Meantime, uh, Mitt Romney spilled the beans. Or, yeah, he's on his way out. He's not running for re-election. And on his way out, he's decided to muster the courage to spill the beans about some of his colleagues in the Senate. Yeah, thanks a lot, Mitt. Could have done this a lot sooner. I, you know, I'd really much rather have Mitt in the Senate than some far-right oh, yeah. replacement. I'm, I'm, I'm just, come on, DNC, find somebody in Utah that we can get. Yeah. Who is that? Oh, God. I, you know, I'm drawing a blank on the guy's name. Who's the uh, never-Trumper uh, Republican from Utah? I don't remember, I, but that would be good. I mean, yeah. better than 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 a crazy person, certainly. We ran uh, against Mike Lee. Oh shit! Who's the guy? Mike Lee. Oh, I remember. Oh. Evan McMullen. That's it. Evan, Evan McMullen. McMullen. I remember him. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> See, I told you, I'm getting too old to do this podcast. <laughs> I think that's just it. See, you know, shit happens. I'm 52 years old. I'm significantly younger than Joe Biden. And sometimes things just fly out of my brain. Every bit of information that gets added to my brain pushes something else out, just like Homer Simpson. All right, so, uh, yeah, Mitt Romney just uh, blabbed on all of his uh, Republican colleagues, or some of his Republican colleagues. Um, On January 2nd, 2021, and this is all from his uh, uh, interview with McKay Coppins in The Atlantic, on uh, January 2nd, 2021, Romney texted Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell to warn about extremist threats Uh, Law enforcement had been tracking in connection with pro-Trump protests on January 6th. McConnell never responded. (laughs) Never replied to that. And it could have been that Mitch McConnell got hanged that day. The, The thing that very few people actually talk about is we came so close to witnessing hangings on Capitol Hill. Mm hmm. Romney also kept a tally of the dozen-plus times that Republican senators privately expressed solidarity with his criticism of Trump. This is where they privately bash Trump and then publicly wrap their arms and legs around his Trump's leg and start humping away. You're lucky, McConnell once told Romney. You can say the things that we all think. A McConnell spokesman said the GOP leader does not recall this conversation and was fully aligned with Trump during the trial, thus illustrating exactly what Mitt Romney is saying. (laughs) Publicly, they're all in favor of Donald Trump. Privately, they go, that son of a bitch. This guy's a plague on our party, and he's going to take it down just like Lindsey Graham predicted. All right, Romney shared a unique disgust for Senators Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz who he thought were too smart to believe Trump won the 2020 election, but, quote, put politics above the interests of liberal democracy and the Constitution. And that's absolutely true. I think it's super obvious, especially with Ted Cruz and his visible layer of slime. 
Ted Cruz is one of the most performative, phony baloney members of the United States Senate. In fact, I think he's one of the most performative, phony baloney senators in the history of the United States Senate. Is it me or is it super duper obvious that Ted Cruz is full of shit? Always. Um, it, it's obvious just looking at his face. <laughs> exactly right. And then he opens his mouth and it becomes confirmed, right? Uh, Romney was also highly critical of Senator J.D. Vance, who reinvented his Good. persona to become a Trump acolyte after publishing a best-selling memoir about the working class that Romney loved. Quote, I don't know that I can disrespect someone more than J.D. Vance, <laughs> Romney said. And, and now he's retiring. Right. My guess is one of the reasons he's retiring is he caught wind of someone who's going to challenge him and it's going to get Probably. ugly. It's going to be like a red hat or something like that. And he doesn't want to be humiliated. Usually that's the reason for these kinds of retirements. He, I mean, he's only been in the Senate for what? It's been like one term, right? Um, How I many terms? Say, I want to say two terms, but I don't know. All right. Well, here we go. I'm going to look this up again. <laughs> Well, he ran in 2012 for president. So when did he run? Now it's probably one term, 2016. Yeah, 2019. He assumed office in 2019. Uh, 2019. So it's 2018. So he's retiring before his term is up. Well, I think he's going to retire at the end of oh, his no. term. He's just not going to run right, for right. re-election. Right, yeah. But wow. one term, that indicates to me someone who is going to be seriously challenged when he runs for re-election because you get to that post. You become one of 100 men and women in one of the most exclusive clubs in the United States. A mm -hmm. hundred people who represent uh, 330 million. That's a, a pretty big deal with all kinds of perks. Yep. So the reason he's stepping down can't be because, oh, this Senate, oh my God, it's, it's such an arduous job and the perks are horrible. No, no, no. Everyone loves being a senator. That's why Dianne Feinstein refuses to step down. That's why Mitch McConnell refuses to step down. Because they love the power of it. They love the prestige of it. They love the trappings of it. And Mitt Romney's like, well, one term, I'm out. And he's not even really that close to the end of his term. No. <laughs> it's 2018, so 20, yeah, I guess 2024 would be the, uh, the, the time he would be up for re-election, but he's right. not going to do it. So, uh, yeah, he's making that announcement super duper early, I think. Um, meantime, either the polls are really fucked up and there's this ongoing conversation we're having on our Patreon page about this. And I know it's happening on Twitter, social media, elsewhere, uh, how we evaluate a lot of these shit polls, like what we can take away from this and what we can't, but this is a Quinnipiac poll, 1900 adults, uh, between September 7th and September 11th. And again, Quinnipiac, it's Quinnipiac. I don't know that Quinnipiac has been targeted as being a substandard poll. At least from my experience, they've been one of the more reputable polls. But the question in this particular poll was, who do you think would do a better job responding to a national crisis, Joe Biden or Donald Trump? 52% said Donald Trump. 42% said Joe Biden. 52% of poll respondents said that Donald Trump, the guy who presided over 400,000 American deaths in his final year in office, due almost directly to his incompetent response to COVID, that's the guy who 52% of Americans believe uh, does a better job responding to a national crisis. 
that is some next level madness. Mm-hmm. I mean, once again, it's got to be like a Mr. Short Term Memory thing where people just forget. Mr. Short Term Memory. You know what I mean? I mean, it's got to be that. It's got to just, well, we don't remember 2020. <laughs> I mean, because anyone who would remember 2020 would go, well, that was a goddamn mess. 400,000 dead Americans. Yep. You know how many people died at Benghazi? Four. The number of Americans who died in 2020 because of Donald Trump's incompetence was 100,000 times more than the number of deaths at Benghazi. And it's almost as though we've deliberately decided to flush that down the memory hole. Well, that was ugly. I don't want to think about that anymore. So bye-bye. Flush right down the toilet. So either the polling is irrevocably broken or American voters are irrevocably broken. Either one signifies a pretty big mess on our hands. I mean, how do you continue to conduct a democracy with this kind of result? And again, I take fully into consideration the fact that polling is, is janky these days. So it's possible. But let's take uh, five points off Trump, add five points to Biden. It's dead even. What would that be? It would be uh, five points off Trump would put him at 47. Five points added to Biden, that would put him at 47. So, yeah, even if you handicap it that way, you give Biden five points, take five points away from Trump, it's still dead even. The guy who presided over that level of death, the guy who added a, a Sharpie marker addition to a hurricane cone, the guy who threw paper towel rolls at people in Puerto Rico after a major hurricane, the guy who couldn't even think of the word hurricane when a hurricane happened, called them water dumps. That's the guy who is tied with Biden when it comes to responding to a national crisis. And that's with my handicapping the numbers on this uh, poll result. So even if you kind of game the poll a little bit and correct it, It still shows a lot of people out to fucking lunch. And we need to spend uh, however many months it is until uh, November uh, 2024. What are we talking about? uh, 14 months. Mm -hmm. We need to spend every second of that time disabusing people of this ridiculousness. And if we don't, we're going to be hurting for it. So we got to get to work. We got to absolutely get to work. Don't let this shit pass you by. If you see someone talking about, oh, Joe Biden's terrible in a crisis. What are you talking about? (laughs) Remind people what it was like with Donald Trump responding to a crisis. Um, Okay, we're going to take a a short break. And when we come back, Jessica Tarloff wins again, this time against Janine Pirro. (laughs) on the five i gotta play this clip of audio it is a wonderful thing and then i want to talk about this ceo who said the quiet part out loud about how ceos view american workers and unemployment this will infuriate everybody okay one last break back with more podcasts right after these words (sighs) the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center thanks to carvana it doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. 
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Bob Seska plays more music. Josh Rennie Haynes. Oh, I'm sorry, Josh Rennie Hines. Sorry about that, Josh. That is a single called Morning Stars. We played this one before. I love this one. Yeah. Go to bobsuska.com to download now. Get this into your record collection. Run, don't walk. You won't regret it. Okay. Uh, link in the description as always. So, uh, Jody, I'm sure you heard this clip from this uh, guy, Tim Gurner who's a property developer and CEO. And I think this is making its rounds on social media and pissing off just about everybody. This is uh, this guy, uh, Tim Gurner, talking about how uh, he wants unemployment to go up because workers have gotten too lazy and uppity these days because of uh, what happened with COVID and people working from home. And uh, yeah, I'm just warning you. This is going to make you pretty fucking pissed off. So here we go. I think the problem that we've had is that we've, you know, we, we have people decided that they didn't really want to work so much anymore through COVID, and that has had a massive issue on productivity. You know, tradies have definitely pulled back on productivity. You know, they, they have been paid, paid a lot to do not too much in the last few years, and we need to see that change. We need to see unemployment rise. Unemployment has to jump 40 50%, in my view. We need to see pain in the economy. We need to remind people that they work for the employer. Okay, so he wants unemployment to go up by 40 to 50%. And maybe these guys are making choices with their businesses. And I'm sure Tim Gurner isn't the only one. But I get the sense that maybe they're making choices for their employees where they, they're manifesting all of this, where they're making it happen where they're engaging in layoffs. And I think in a second here, he's going to talk about how, yeah, we should start laying people off. Not the other way around. I mean, there is a, there's been a systematic change where employees feel the employer is extremely lucky to have them, um, as they opposed are. to the other way around. Yeah, they are, aren't they? Good luck running your business. Good luck running SpaceX and Starlink and Tesla and all the rest of it, Elon, without any employees. <laughs> 
or whatever this guy Tim Gurner does for a living, try doing it without your employees and see how valuable they actually are. So it's a dynamic that has to change. We've got to kill that attitude and that has to come through hurting the economy, which is what the whole global, you know, the, the world is trying to do. The governments around the world are trying to increase unemployment to get that to some sort of normality. And we're seeing it, I think. Yeah, I mean, this plays directly into what I've been observing for some time now, which is how the idea of full employment in the United States mm-hmm. is kind of being spun as something negative. Mm-hmm. How often have we heard the news story? Well, unemployment is down, it's a new low. And by the way, there's a, an employee shortage. There's a worker shortage. How about they're not offering the workers enough money? Yeah, well, there's that. But I mean, the, the whole concept of spinning low unemployment, spinning mm-hmm. what is below the level of full employment, what is considered full employment, as Cliff was talking about on the show yesterday. Right. They're spinning that as being a bad thing. And you wonder why. You, why, oh, why are people who respond to polls saying, ah, oh, Joe Biden, ugh, too old. Ah, oh, he's incompetent. He's out. The economy sucks. Well, well, obviously, if they're reading in the newspaper and seeing on cable news every day, well, well, you know, unemployment's way low, but there's no workers. What's going on? Why can't we fix this? It yeah. is. It's ridiculous. It's like, I mean, because there are some, you know, help wanted signs in my neighborhood, mm-hmm. but it's mainly for servers. Yeah. And a lot of restaurants don't treat their servers well. And after COVID, mm-hmm. I understand people not wanting to get back into that. Yeah, of course work. not. Of course not. All right, let's listen to the last part of this guy, Tim Gurner. Every employer now is seeing it. I mean, there is definitely massive layoffs going off. People might not be talking about it, but people are definitely laying people off. And we're starting to see less arrogance in the employment market. And that has to continue because that will cascade across oh, the cost God. balance. So there are more layoffs. They're deliberately laying off people. And one of the side effects of that is less arrogance among the workforce. Less uh, of a notion of, well, you, employer, need me, employee, and, and so you therefore have to pay me what I'm worth. Oh, and by the way, you know, it'd be nice if I could work from home one day a week instead of schlepping into the fucking cubicle, the soulless, fluorescently lit death hole that I have to deal with every day. I'll stay at home and do the exact same work. Reach the exact same goals for the day, but doing it at home. Oh my God, that's so arrogant. Why would you ever want that, worker? Get back to work, God damn it. Well, I mean, that was what was funny about Zoom, wanting everybody to come back in. Yeah, exactly. Zoom, 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 Zoom. kind of helped people not have to go back into work. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I don't get it. I mean, it's funny because like one of my old jobs, we had to do these stupid meetings because we were we were producing content for a, uh, a convention. And so every now and then we would have to get on with the client on like a go to meeting, you know, mm-hmm. through, through the internet, Yeah, <laughs> through the internet. Um, and so it would be like the stupid meeting had nothing to do with what we were doing. Mm-hmm. It had to do with how many chairs around a table, what kind of chair would you like to have at this? And it's like, why am, why am I in on this? They yeah. just do these meetings to do them. Mm-hmm. And that was the same with another gig that I had years ago. And they would have a, a company meeting in the 
late afternoon, early evening on a Friday. It's like, you really want us to show up for that shit? Yeah. And then, and it was all about, and it was a company we were going to, again, it was, we were producing content for, um, uh, this was in 1997, mm-hmm. maybe. And so we were going to produce content for a podcast vid- visually. And so it was a long time ago. Obviously it wasn't like it is now. Yeah, yeah. And we would go to these meetings and they would just talk about writing code and, Tim and I would look at each other going, why the fuck are we here? We don't write code. <laughs> you know, I mean, why, why are we at this stupid meeting? Because if yeah. we wrote code, we would totally understand that. Yeah. But we don't write code. We're just going to produce a show. Mm-hmm. We're going to do our job. Yeah. We don't need, if you have notes for us, great. But can we go now? I mean, you know. Yeah. And, you know, I, I mentioned uh, the other day, I think it was on Tuesday's show uh, on the Shadow Docket uh, portion of the show with Buzz. That, uh, God, I'm going to mention the name of another uh, struck show. And that is uh, Kimberly and I started watching Succession. And oh, I love that show. One of the things I've been noticing about any show that features wealthy people, whether they're wealthy criminals or wealthy legitimate business people, right. is that they're always miserable. At least that's how they're portrayed in these shows, as being perpetually miserable, perpetually behind the eight ball, perpetually on the verge of either death or financial devastation. And they're all stabbing each other in the back. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, look, I I get that there's an aspirational aspect of uh, the American people where, yes, it'd be nice if we were all wealthy. Like, we all want to be uh, financially well off. But the way we're seeing rich people being portrayed on television is that they're always miserable. I mean, why would you want to be that miserable? Why would you want to be Kendall Roy? Why would anyone want to be Kendall Roy? Or Tony- I don't know why Kendall wants to be Kendall Roy. <laughs> or Tony Soprano. Or mm-hmm. any of these people who have amassed a fortune, but who are miserable with it. Because so, they're worried so, about losing it. Yeah. So it's, it's like this whole worship of wealthy people in this country is completely misappropriated because they're awful people who lead awful lives. <laughs> you know, it's not fun. I don't know why anyone who wants to be or have that status, uh, I, I don't get the motivation because it's just a miserable existence, seems to me. So uh, speaking of miserable people, Elon Musk's explanation for sabotaging <laughs> Ukraine is complete complete horseshit isn't it jody it's just utter oh, yeah bullshit Fuck that guy. here's uh elon musk talking about uh why he disconnected starlink in ukraine thus sabotaging the ukraine army now the reason it was turned off was actually originally was because the united states has sanctions against russia um and we're not allowed to actually and that includes crimea in the sanctions. Okay, so what he's saying there, if you what? can understand what he's saying, he's saying that the reason Starlink was turned off is because the United States has sanctions against Russia. And that makes to, no sense. To provide Starlink to the Ukrainian army as they're pushing back in Crimea would have by default been offering Starlink access to Russian soldiers in Crimea. Oh, good God. Which is, a- we don't recognize Russia's annexation of Crimea. We're not looking at Crimea and going, well, that's part of Russia. This is not, that's, no, no, they're there illegally. And we're supporting the Ukrainian army. If by chance Russians log on to Starlink, so what? 
That's not, we're not deliberately giving it to him. No one's going to charge Elon Musk and Starlink and SpaceX with a violation of sanctions against Russia because someone in the Russian army or a bunch of guys in the Russian army uh, started using Starlink for Wi-Fi or whatever. That's insane. That's a gigantic bullshit excuse. Bullshit. I mean, I'm surprised a conga line of Pentagon spokespeople haven't stepped up and gone, hey, you know what? Elon's full of shit about all of that. Let's continue here because there's more. <laughs> and we're not allowed to actually turn on uh, connectivity to a sanction the country without explicit government approval, um, which we did not have from the US government. So, um, so, so basically, the, uh, uh, you know, Ukraine didn't, they didn't give us any, any advance warning or heads up or anything. Um, but we just got the, the sort of, uh, urgent calls from the Ukrainian government saying that we needed to turn on Crimea. It's like in the middle of the night, basically. <laughs> and we're like, what are you talking about? You know, Yo, no, Crimea, the Ukrainian army is asking him to turn on Starlink in the middle of the night. Wouldn't want to wake up uh, Elon Musk. It was the middle of the night for Elon Musk. Right. Wasn't the middle of the night for the Ukrainian army. It's amazing how full of shit he is. And why, why should he be bothered with it? He, shouldn't that... It, yeah, I mean, there are people... We need to buy Starlink from him. We need to buy that satellite from him as a company, as a, as a country. Yes. And then fuck you, Elon. Exactly. Nationalize Starlink. Uh-huh. Get rid of him. Sorry, Elon Musk. You don't get to keep your toys. The right. Joe Biden is commandeering Starlink. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Buy it for a fair price, <laughs> yeah. and just that, then it's our satellite. Yeah, no, he can just nationalize it. He doesn't need to buy it. <laughs> just just take it over. That's that's possible. It's not very popular, but you know, he could do that. He could do that. I'm in. What's it for? and you know, we're basically um figured out that this was kind of like a Pearl Harbor type attack on um Sebastopol. Oh, it's a he called it a Pearl Harbor type of attack. He called the Ukrainian offensive against the Russian military in Crimea as a Pearl Harbor kind of attack. That, once again, bullshit. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. And and he goes on to say, I'm not going to play any more of it because it's barely audible. I can make out like every other word that he's saying. But he goes on to say that he didn't want SpaceX and Starlink to be a part of this military action. He's like, we're not part. We don't want to be part of any military violence in all of this. Well, the question back from everyone who was in attendance and people who are not even in attendance, everyone who has contact with Elon Musk, whether it's on Twitter or whether it's personally or whatever, should go, why the fuck then did you sign a defense contract with the Pentagon? Right. With the Pentagon. What did you think the Pentagon was? What did you think the Department of Defense does? Stupid! You're so stupid! It's, it's inconceivable how ridiculous he is. I'm not going to play any more of it. Uh, it's, it's too infuriating. He is so full of shit. He is so obviously a Russian operative, whether wit- oh, yeah. wittingly or unwittingly, doing Vladimir Putin's bidding. That's what Elon Musk is all about. It's so obvious. And the fact that we signed a defense contract with this guy, our Pentagon did this, well, that was a stupid fucking move. Yep. <sighs> Is there any other game in town? Is there anyone else that can provide internet access to the Ukrainian army that's not Starlink? That's not Elon Musk? 
I know. We got to figure uh, that out. Yeah. There's got to be another tech firm. Dish that- Network. Come on. Come on. AT&T. Come <laughs> that's on. That's right. Xfinity, damn it. Verizon. Xfin- all of you. Any Anybody that's got satellites floating above the planet. Yeah. Come on. Anyone? Ferris? Anyone? As long as, you, as long as you don't have connections to fucking Vladimir Putin. Yeah. Like Elon Musk. Okay, we're going to end with a uh, fun clip of audio here. This is uh, The Five's Jessica Tarlov. And I should say, Jessica Tarlov is doing an immense public service here, but also, in a weird way, you got to hand it to Fox News Channel. Fox News Channel, and I never compliment Fox News. Everyone knows how I feel about Fox News Channel. See aforementioned racist, misogynist dog whistles regarding Kamala Harris and Joe Biden. However, they did have the sense, the good sense, to hire Jessica Tarlov for that chair on The Five. Because the previous liberals they've had in that chair, whether it's Juan Williams or Bob Beckel or whoever else, uh, uh, Geraldo Rivera was there for a while, they've been big nobodies. Right. I mean, I shouldn't you know, make fun of the dead. Uh, Bob Beckel is no longer with us anymore. But they've had uh, just a bunch of stooges in there. Bunch of like, <laughs> what was the team that used to play the Harlem Globetrotters? Uh, the Generals. Yeah, the Washington, the Washington Generals. Exactly right. So there's a, like the political debate equivalent of the Washington Generals in that seat. They're there as a punching bag for Gutfeld and uh, when he was still the host, Eric Bowling and now Jesse Waters and Dana Perino and, and Janine Pirro, Kimberly Guilfoyle. The liberal on that panel was always the punching bag, and that's what they were there for. But Jessica Tarlov, Jessica Tarlov is so good at this. It's kind of amazing that she ended up on Fox News Channel. So let's listen to Jessica Tarlov. She's talking about uh, COVID vaccines, and in the middle of it, you'll hear Janine Pirro go, kind of in the background. And then Jessica Tarlov (laughs) lowers the boom on Janine Pirro here. Let's play this clip here. But the damage had already been done from that. And you need to find some safe middle ground where people know that the vaccine is safe for you, but you don't... Oh, Oh, you hear Janine Pirro just going, oh, oh. Safe for you, but you don't... Oh, well, what do you mean? You're fine. You're vaccinated. (laughs) She is, because everybody had to be. Revealing the truth. That entire panel... Every member of the Fox News on-air team has been vaccinated. Including, they have to be. Exactly, including Janine Pirro. And Jessica Tarlov's like, well, yeah, you were vaccinated, you fucking hypocrite. You liar. What do you, oh, <laughs> it's your turn. Oh, the, you, oh, my God, Greg Gutfeld is such an instigator. Oh, yeah. Because he's on the other side of the table going, <laughs> fight. There's a fight. <laughs> Two women fighting. Maybe they'll take their clothes off accidentally. <laughs> we got I got to hear this again. But the damage had already been done from that. And you need to find some safe middle ground where people know that the vaccine is safe for you, uh. but you don't. Oh, well, what do you mean? You look, you're fine. You're vaccinated. <laughs> what do you? Oh, <laughs> it's your turn. <laughs> it's your it's your segment. <laughs> I don't laugh like Greg Gutfeld. (laughs) Greg Gutfeld is such a fetal goblin. Yes. He just looks like a fetal goblin. And that laugh matches the way he looks perfectly. If you were to imagine, if you ever heard Greg Gutfeld laugh, and you were to imagine how he laughs, (laughs) is exactly how you would imagine it. 
Okay, so how you doing after all of that? Are we pissed off enough? <laughs> Anybody got agita from uh, all of the dumb fuckery on today's show? Well, there's still more to come because we have a shadow docket coming up next on our Patreon page. Let's see. Oh, we've got some good news about Project Veritas. Some uh, schadenfreude to enjoy because of Project Veritas. And I'm just going to savor that one. Um, oh, yes, we want to talk about the <laughs> ridiculous fake alien bodies in Mexico. Because <laughs> that's a real thing. I mean, not the aliens, but the fact that <laughs> these guys hauled in these sarcophagi, uh, sarcophaguses, sarcophaguses. Yeah, with obviously fake aliens in them. And they presented them to the Mexican Congress as if they're real. We'll talk about that. Plus, uh, oh, Lauren Boebert's complete white trash. Are we not supposed to say white trash anymore? I don't know. I don't think we are, but boy, she's got big hooters. I'm going with white trash. All right. I mean, sorry, white people. (laughs) There are lots of people who are white trash among us. That's just a fact. And Lauren Boebert's one of them. Just complete trashy behavior. This is the kind of stuff that we see from uh, all those Karen videos. Yeah. It's the usual kind of stuff. Don't you know who I am? I love that. Plus, uh, Alex Jones in the news. He continues to scam the Sandy Hook families. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more on the Shadow Docket. Patreon.com slash Bob Seska Show. That's the link. The other link is BobSeskaShow.com. Both of those links will take you to the same place. I can't quite settle on which link to talk about on the show. <laughs> so I just, you know what? I said, I'm going to sign up for the domain name Bob Seska Show and have that point to the Patreon page so I don't have to say patreon.com slash Bob Seska Show. But I say it anyway for some reason, and that's just how screwy I am. It's because, you know what? I'm, I'm too old. I'm just too old to do this show anymore. I'm slipping. And then that nasty, mean woman Jody Hamilton will have to take over. Oh, Jody, hi. You're still here. Okay, have a great weekend. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.